0: Welcome to the Truth Be Known Podcast, bringing you the objective truth, boldly, candidly, and without apology. Welcome to this week's episode. Welcome back to another episode of the Truth Be Known Podcast. I'm Nathaniel Jolly.
1: And I'm Eki Tepsapornchai.
0: Uh, well, it's good to be back, undoubtedly. Guys have uh, noticed we haven't had an episode for a couple weeks, and so uh, I think this would be a uh, good one. It's been one.
1: longer than a couple weeks. Yeah, it's been a while. I feel I think it's been closer to a month.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think uh, maybe G3 was the last time we did one. So
1: I don't think we even did uh, one that week.
0: Oh, that's probably right. Well, we and, have uh, one uh, this and, week. And... <laughs>
1: that's...
0: And so, uh, well, let's it's just. It's been so jump long, right our in. memory is
1: failing. Yep, yep.
0: Yeah. Well, it, absolutely. A lot's gone on between now and then, but, um, yeah. I think we're coming back strong. And so today, uh, we want to talk about from 1 Corinthians 15 33, uh, the, the need to guard who we spend time with and what we spend yeah. time with. And uh, let, let me just read the passage for So, Paul speaking to the church at Corinth says, do not be deceived, bad company corrupts good morals, Um, and I think we see this play out in real life over and over and over again, and so often I think uh, to myself, man, do people forget that um, the company we keep makes a huge difference in how we think, what we do, how we act. Um, what we come to believe over the long run. We, we see this a lot. I'm sure you see it a lot too.
1: Yeah. I mean, we become like the people that we hang around, uh, which is why the church exists. We need to be with fellow brothers and sisters in Christ uh, when, especially we're seeking refreshment, uh, rest, encouragement, you know, that's where we get it. It's going to be from the people that, uh, that we hang around with. That's not to say that uh, we should shun ourselves from the people of the world because then there'd be no evangelism, there'd be no opportunities to be able to show love towards them. Uh, but yeah, we have to be careful in terms of who is it that we go and, and hang out with when we want to relax and be built up and edified and refreshed. Um, and too often, I come across Christians who actually spend most of their free time with the world and not for evangelism, but just to go out and have fun and and do whatever. Um, and you have to be very careful about that, because when you're hanging out with worldly people, seeking refreshment from worldly people, it won't be long before you start thinking worldly yourself.
0: Yeah, and I mean, and this is an undeniable biblical principle. Yeah, there is no person who this is not applicable for. And I think sometimes, right, we think because we have the spirit of God in us, maybe somehow. We're not susceptible to these things. But this is the very warning Paul's giving. I mean, Paul is speaking to believers, right? The church at Corinth. Now, this has a context. There's a principle that we want to extrapolate from this. Um, but the context here is basically in the church in Corinth, there are those who are rejecting the resurrection of the dead, right? And yeah. so it's causing believers, uh Issues. It's causing strife in the church, and so Paul's saying, "Look, uh, don't be deceived. These people that you're listening to, that you're spending time with, that you're keeping in com- keeping company with, are are causing you your morals to be corrupted. They're causing the things that you believe to be corrupted. That's the kind of the context here, um, but the principle is is the same, right? The issue is the principle." Um, and I think it, you made a good point. We're talking about uh, the company we keep, not just the fact that we're around unbelievers. And there's a big difference, as you say. Uh, we work in the world, right? Uh, people have to go to yeah. their workplace. They have jobs to go to, teach in schools filled with you know, unbelievers. Uh, we go shopping in places with unbelievers. And so Paul's not saying stay away from any contact with unbelievers. What he's saying is guard those who you do life with. Right. Guard those who you get your teaching and instruction from um, guard what goes into your mind, what comes into your ears. I mean, that's what Paul is is speaking about here, because obviously Corinth, just like Ephesus, just like Rome, you know, they're in a godless world. They're in godless cities um, and, and they're supposed to be taking the gospel to the people around them. Uh, and so Paul saying, you know, be careful who you do life with. Right, who your friends are, those people who, on your time off, you're uh, you're hanging around, you're getting information from. I, I think we could even take that further. Um, what television shows are you watching? What radio programs are you listening to? What sermons are you filling your your mind with? Right? What music even are you listening to? You know, that's in a sense the the type of company. I think that would it would carry that connotation, uh, the kind of company that you're. Keeping And so Paul's writing, this is quite a lengthy section here. And of course, in this context, um, it has to do with whether or not you believe in the resurrection of Christ. And so it really could make the difference between you believing in error that could lead you outside of the faith or not.
1: Yeah, and there's a saying in the computer world, I I was a computer science and engineering major, and uh, there's an acronym, G-I-G-O, garbage in, garbage out. Uh, when you take in garbage into your soul, you're going to put out garbage uh, from it. Uh, rather, you want to be feeding your your mind and your heart with the truth, and that's Psalm one, right? Um, blessed, blessed is the man who does not uh, walk according to the counsel of the wicked or in the seat of scoffers, but he meditates upon the law day and night, and he's going to be like a tree firmly planted by by streams of water. So we do want to be careful what it is that we consume, and and certainly if we're listening to worldly um worldly messages, uh gratifying ourselves with worldly entertainment, uh, hanging out with worldly people, and we're finding refreshment in that way. Well, you know, you need to examine your heart because what what is it that that refreshes your soul? It should be um to be around God and his people. And and this is not to say that, you know, we, we can get we can get uh, caught up in in a legalism that hey, you have to do this and this and this in order to be saved. No, you're saved by your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. But um, do you have an appreciation for that salvation that you've been given? Do you do you recognize that you've been rescued out of the kingdom of, kingdom of darkness and, and put into the kingdom of light? Do you recognize that you were once sons of disobedience and, and part of the children of wrath, and you now have been adopted into the family of God? And, and do you re- realize all the spiritual blessings that the Apostle Paul um, says we've been blessed with? I mean, Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 14 goes through a litany of them. So when you understand all of that, why would you try to seek refreshment from anywhere else? And the, the letter of Corinthians, this entire first letter, for, going from the very first chapter, the, the the major issue that connects just about every single chapter of this book is, is the issue of division. Um, they're divided rather than united. They need to be united on the faith. And they're divided because they're allowing a lot of secular pagan thinking uh, to influence them right i mean you know there's the whole issue about uh uh meat sacrifice to idols there's the issue about bringing up lawsuits um uh, against one another you know there's people that are living in immorality you know so there, there's all kinds of issues going on the the spiritual gifts and the the use of um the the abuse i should say of tongue in the um in the congregation so all of this is to say that um, in order to bring unity, we must be united on the truth, but certainly we must be around people that encourage us with the truth, not encourage us in lies. And I, I think parents, <clears throat> parents, all, everyone who has a child understands this because you are always, you're always concerned about who your children are hanging out with. Mm. right? If they're hanging out with people who are causing trouble, you know it's not going to be long before your child is going to be tempted to raise trouble. Um, and, and you'd rather have them be with other kids who are well-behaved, who are studious, obedient to parents. Um, so, yeah, th- th- as you said, this is a general principle everywhere. But for the Christian, um, we really have to take it to the next level and, and beyond what the world's standards are and, and rather take it to the, the standards of godliness.
0: Yeah, and I think, you know, rather than viewing this as some sort of legalistic thing, I, I think our heart ought to first go to... You know what? I I so love Christ and I so love God that I want to be holy as He's holy. I want to do, you know, yeah. First Peter, be holy as He's holy, and and to really walk in holiness and to continue my sanctification. I I want to guard myself against those things that might negatively influence me. And so, it, you know, it's not that I don't watch certain TV shows just because I know I shouldn't. Although that's better than giving into it it's that I I want to not watch those shows um that yeah. might tempt me to sin or maybe it's just not a, a a good thing maybe it's not a sinful thing but it's not just not filling my mind with the best things right um w- whatever that may be and and th- there's obviously a lot of room for issues of conscience in there um but we want to be sensitive to that too right and so if I yeah. know um feeding my mind with a particular thing, uh, tends to lead me towards being more aggressive. Um, or, you know, so a, a good example might be there are sitcoms out there, at least they there used to be, I don't watch TV, so I don't, I don't know. But there used to be yeah. some out there that weren't necessarily sinful, but they sort of yeah. downplayed uh, the the beauty of marriage, right? And maybe they were just on on that line. So maybe you just don't fill your mind with something um, that, that degrades the beauty of marriage. Maybe it's not an issue of sin, but it's more on the worldly side. Um, and it's just those kind of things. But the whole point is that the heart shouldn't go to, oh, well, that's legalism. It should be, you know what? I, I just don't want to fill my mind with teaching that's going to hinder my sanctification, um, that's right. going to make me think less of my marriage, that's going to make me Maybe look at my wife um, in more worldly ways. You know, maybe it's going to cause me to view my children uh, not as the gift they are, but maybe more of a nuisance. I mean, I can't tell you how many TV shows, just little clips I see um, that really portray children as being a bit of a nuisance. And we see that in our culture. Right. Our culture, for the most part, seems to hate children. Um, And and so we just want to guard ourselves from that. And that's Paul's admonition here. Um, And and of course, he's saying that it's dangerous. There is there's the reality that we give into teachings that are destructive. And we see this in the church Um, and in men. If you just look over the last five, six, ten years, you can find ample examples of men who were sound in certain areas and because of the people they were hanging around because of the conferences they started doing because of the books they were reading all of a sudden they start getting off in those doctrinal areas doesn't mean they're not saved right um but it means they're 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 getting off track and you can tell it's because of the company they've been keeping maybe the company in books or the company in sermons um you, you see guys move to churches with a certain theological bent. And sometimes it's not good. And all of a sudden, the person that moves there starts picking up that theological bent that's not good. And so the the point here is just to be very cautious about who uh, are are the company as we keep. Uh, Augustine of Hippo said this. He said, bad company is like a nail driven into a post, which after the first or second blow, may be drawn out with little difficulty. But being once driven up to the head, the pincers cannot take hold to draw it out, but which only can be done by the destruction of the wood. Um, maybe people need to chew on that a little bit, but it's really quite profound. Um, yeah. And it's just a warning against trying to catch our being influenced earlier. Charles Spurgeon said a man is known by the company he shuns as well as by the company he keeps um and so those are some good things to to think about
1: yeah and and i think um for some they they might object with well we have ungodly influences all around us we would have to completely shut us ourselves out from all of that in order not to ever be affected by it and i would i would use the word discernment right so um, as you're exposed to things of the world and and even if you're watching, um, say a movie that's uh, that's it's kind of a fun movie, maybe one of these uh, superhero movies or something like that that you know it's a fictitious world and you know your your kid enjoys watching it. Um, still watch it with discernment. Um, be discerning of um, the kinds of ideas that are being put across and and use that as an opportunity to help teach your child also, you know, obviously you're watching something that's fiction. Um, but help teach your child about some of the ideas that are being taught there. Like, for instance, there's a lot of um, superhero storylines that portray men as being basically good when actually they're not, right? Um, yeah. Or, or it, portrays, it portrays other ideas like um, the the idea of uh, multiple faiths or multiple religions or, or something like that, or it brings in ideas from, from, uh, from other religions. For, for instance, Avatar was a very popular movie, um, borrowed ideas from Hinduism. And, and so you need to be aware of those things. And when you see enough there, that's, um, that, that you start to, your conscience starts to be bothered, you know, that don't, don't ignore that, right. Turn that off, turn it away. Um, so just be discerning, right. Uh, be discerning of, of what you see and what you hear and don't just mindlessly, mindlessly take it all in.
0: Yeah. And, you know, I think, uh, I think one of the, you know, discernment 101, I think for me in that category would be having the humility to acknowledge that you can be influenced by those things. Right. I I don't think we should ever get to the place where we think we're so sound in doctrine that that's just not going to influence me. Um, And and so, yeah. And and so I think humility is a big key in in all of this. You know, it's not to say that if you see a show or you read a book or whatever um, that all of a sudden you're going to change your doctrine because you saw this one show that, You know, paints man as being essentially good, right? Um, And being able to uh, reach into himself and and bring out the goodness of man, which would be antithetical to the doctrine of original sin. It's not to say that you would change your understanding, but I think humility would say if that's the kind of things you're watching all the time, if those are the kind of people, uh, if you're hanging around people that promote, you know, that kind of thing all the time. I think humility would say at some stage, you're going to start um you're you're going to start changing your views slightly. Yeah. Um mm-hmm. and, and it may never get to a problematic place, but it may. And I think humility says, you know what? I'm human. I'm a I'm still a fallen sinful human and I'm influenceable. Um, you know, and this is a big thing in the charismatic church. I mean, just let's use that as an example. You take someone, put them in the charismatic church who let's say uh they they believe in a lot of the various doctrines but they they they're uncomfortable with how the charismatic church deals with tongues right mm-hmm. leave that person in the charismatic group long enough and eventually they will break down and they are most likely to give in to you know uh gibberish which we see even when they were opposed to it at the beginning no. And that's I think that's or, or just they,
1: or or they might yeah they might um, be more accepting of the practice and thinking well there's yeah. probably a room there's room for this and all that.
0: Yeah, we so we see it there um homosexuality. You know, look how many parents have changed their views from the biblical view of understanding homosexuality is antithetical to God's um God's ordained uh view of sexuality because they have family members or friends close friends who you know are practicing homosexuality and so all of a sudden those relationships become a little more important to them functionally than yeah. god's word and because they want to keep those relationships all of a sudden now uh it, and it's always at first just trying to excuse it right it's not that they buy into it well i don't believe it's right but Um, You know, And they start coming up with excuses, excuses, and then before long, many of them even begin defending the practice themselves. And so those are just things that we see regularly that are good examples of the principle that bad company corrupts good morals. And so, um, yeah, we've got to be really cautious about that. Let me give you a few more Bible verses and jump in if you want to speak to any of these. It's all over the scriptures, right? You mentioned um, Psalm 1 earlier, right? How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, um, stand in the way of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. Proverbs 13, 20. He who walks with the wise will be wise, but the friend of fools will suffer harm. I mean, just mm-hmm. if we really think about some of these. Um, uh, Proverbs 14, 7. Leave the presence of a fool as you have not known lips of knowledge there. Proverbs 25, 26. Like a muddied spring and a corrupted well is a righteous man shaking before the wicked. Um, Proverbs 22, 24, and 25. Do not befriend a man of anger and do not come along with a man of great wrath, lest you learn his ways and take on a snare against your soul. So all throughout scripture, we see these warnings about be careful who you spend your time with. Be careful who uh, you're listening to, what sermons you're listening to, what music you're playing. Um, if you listen to Bethel and Hillsong music all the time, y- your theology uh, will become sloppy, right? Your idea of who God is will change. Your idea of who man is will change if you do that long enough.
1: Yeah. And I think the era of Bethel and Hillsong, it's, you know, not only some of the songs that introduce bad theology, but really the contemporary Christian music culture as a whole um, not everyone, but a, a lot of that music tends to be very shallow. Um, it's not that they're introducing heresies or saying things that are untrue, but a, a lot of the words stay on a shallow level. And in some cases, you don't know if the song is talking about God, if it's talking about a boyfriend, if it's talking about a girlfriend, or if it's a song that could be applied to basically any other faith, um, any other uh, false, uh, any false religion out there can be re- applied to any false god, right? Um, which is why I love the uh, love the old hymns, and I don't want to get into sidetrack this conversation about about music. Um, but think about why those songs are so popular, and and often the shallowness plays into the motivation. And and there was even a, a YouTuber, a good YouTuber, by the way, um, and I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but he came to the con- conclusion that yeah, you can you can listen to that music and play that music from bad sources as long as the lyrics itself are fine. And then in a separate video, he talked about how he went to this worship service, there was a whole lot of singing, and he said it was great, um, he was in the spirit, he was feeling just uh, connected with God and all that, and then a Bethel song came up, and the lyric um, that said, I open my mouth and miracles happen, he saw that lyric and it stopped him dead in his tracks, and he said, I can't sing that. He said, that's not biblical. And so in his his view, the moment he saw that, he said, "That that is going to completely wreck the, uh, the, the the entire service just by itself. And then he was shocked to look around to see that no one else thought it was a big deal. They just kept on singing and, and they kept on going along with it. Well, what's happening with a lot of those individuals is that not only are they just being moved by shallow theology, but they can't even discern bad theology when it comes across. And not only that, but on that video that he had posted, he got a lot of comments from people complaining that says there's nothing wrong with that lyric right so so yeah th- this is the the entire um the, the entire atmosphere that's created by a lot of this music especially when it's really driven by feelings and emotions that's that's exactly what can happen but um it, First Corinthians by itself has so many um so many verses for us to consider in terms of all the applications and and where to draw the line. Um, going back to just chapter five first Corinthians chapter five um he, he says um starting in verse nine, I wrote you in my letter not to associate with immoral people, all right? We just said bad company corrupts good morals. I mean, that's uh, he says that later in chapter 15. But he says, I did not mean all the immoral people of this world or with the covetous and the slanders and idolaters, for then you would have to go out of the world. But actually, I wrote to you to associate, not to associate with any so-called brother If he is an immoral person or covetous or idolater or reviler drunkard swindler and and that is exactly the um the application in chapter 15 when he's talking about the resurrection and he's rebuking those who are saying who are saying there's no resurrection you know that um you know that that jesus didn't uh, raise from the grave and so there's no resurrection And, and so he's talking about people with bad theology who are who are actually rejecting crucial truths of the faith Don't surround yourself with those people. But yeah, obviously the principle can go above and beyond that as well. But you'll see several examples in Corinthians where Paul will talk about um, and clarify what he means. Later in chapter 9, he talks about how he has become all things to all men so that by by all means he may be able to win some over to the gospel of Christ. So obviously evangelism is a big part there. So it's really just when you think about wanting to be encouraged, when you want to relax, you want to hang out with good friends— are your good friends people in the church who who will affirm the truths of God, or are your good friends people that either deny God or deny good theology? And my question might be, you know, why are those individuals such a source of refreshment to you when they can't affirm what you need to be um, built up with from the Word of God?
0: Yeah, that's a really good. That's a really good question. I think that's something we ought to really consider and. And, you know, I think I would even go as far as to say if someone finds themselves enjoying the company of those who are not Christians more than the Christians in their own fellowship, then, then maybe they need to check and see whether they're in the faith themselves, right? I mean, there is a supernatural, um, a, a genuine supernatural yeah. camaraderie in the body of Christ because it, it's a real thing. That Christ has taken us and has made us into one body. Right. And right. and we, if we think about this, we 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 get this because this is why you can go to another state and meet brothers uh and, and sisters and instantly you feel like your family. You can go to another country, right? Totally yeah. different culture right. and find believers and just feel like you've known each other for a long time, right? You want to be with each other, you enjoy each other's company. And so it's a very real. Thing. And so if we find ourselves not, um, if we find ourselves enjoying being with the world more than the church, then I think we have some serious questions we ought to ask. And at the very least, it may just mean that we've been keeping bad company long enough that um, our ability to discern has been lessened and that we're becoming yeah. more worldly. And there is a such thing as a worldly Christian. I mean, Paul rebukes the church for being worldly, right? Um, and I, I just read the letter to the Galatians and you see that in there. Um, mm-hmm. and, and so it may just be that. And all throughout scripture, I mean Ephesians is another one. I go to chapter five, verse one, he says, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children, and listen to what he says we are to do. He says, and walk in love, just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us in offering and a sacrifice to God is a fragrant aroma, but immorality or any impurity or greed must not even be named among you, which is proper among saints. And there must be no filthiness and silly talk or coarse jesting, which is not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. If you think about that, um, it, you know, if, if, you're hanging ar- if you're hanging around primarily people who are worldly, you're going to find all these things there. The very yeah. things that Paul says these shouldn't even be named among you, as believers. Um, and so, yeah, you know, I think we we sort of have a good uh, a, a good picture of maybe not spending so much time uh, physically with people who are counterintuitive to our spiritual growth. But let, maybe let's talk a little bit more about what things we fill our minds with, because I think this is maybe. I don't know, maybe even more of a danger today. I mean, you may have a, a different thought on that, but I'm just thinking of how much media we consume in the West, right, yeah, yeah. Um, between and, – and I think now it's so easy to, in a well-meaning way, hop online and type in sermon on XYZ, right, and you get a million sermons on something, and you find some guy who's a dynamic speaker um who is, you know, I- entertaining, who can make you laugh, who whatever. Um, and then you start feeding your mind on that or you type in uh, Christian TV shows and the chosen pops up, right, or whatever it is. Um, talk to us about w- what are some ways we can intentionally guard um, ourselves from keeping media company as it were, yeah uh, to, to guard ourselves.
1: Yeah, we we are, um, you know, coming from the computer science and engineering background. Um, I'm I'm a person that enjoys technology. I have watched the development of technology, and um, and and I and I enjoy it. I I love technology. I use technology, but I believe that in many ways the invention of the smartphone, which uh, really the iPhone in 2007 really made that a big thing. And, and to think from 2007 to now, before 2007, people were wanting phones to be smaller and slimmer um, and, and more minimalistic. And, and at that time it was really just a, a device to call people and to text people, and that was primarily it. Um, and then it turned into a device that basically consumes us, and especially children. And I saw this um, great tweet from, I think it's Homemaker Megs, where she talked about, um, hey, if you're, if your child is being diagnosed with ADHD, before you provide that child with medication, um, why don't you take that child out of the public school system um you know take away their devices because they're spending too much time on their devices um, have them learn how to just go out and interact with people and and to to learn about the world around them to be more socialized and, and then see what happens to that ADHD and I, I think she's spot on with that you know because our culture we become so so glued to our smartphones to our tablets to our computers and and the things that we're consuming, it's often just passive entertainment. We're not really feeding our mind with anything that is edifying. We're obviously, uh, we're we're most of the time just looking for things that make us laugh or um, or something that we can criticize. Um, sometimes it's news reports. Some people are over-infatuated with just constant news updates, news updates. And, and especially yeah. the conflicts that are going on, and certainly our prayers are definitely with Israel and the conflict that, that's going on there. Uh, but when you when you just consume yourself 24-7 with nothing but news, um, where are you being fed with the Word of God? Um, mm. Colossians 3.16 says, let the Word of Christ dwell richly within you. And, and the more the Word of God really dwells richly within your heart, the more you're going to desire to walk in the example of Christ. And the more you desire to walk in the example of Christ, the more you're going to realize how much you need um, people around you who love God, but also thinking about what you're reading and what you're listening to, um, what you're consuming, um, and and how that's affecting you as well. And, and you know what? Parents know this. Um, I, I've seen this so many times. When you give your kid um, a gaming device, and now it's just any smartphone is basically a gaming device. When I grew up, it was the Game Boys. But you give them any kind of gaming device, and it, it's amazing how fleshly they become after just 10 20 or 30 minutes like try to take that device away from them while they're in the middle of a gaming session and watch how angry they become right uh, they they yeah. went from being thankful that you gave them that device to now being angry that you want to take that device away from them and, and that's the effect that these, these things mm-hmm. have upon the minds and, and the hearts of our, our children and so we need to we definitely need to be absorbed more into the things of god and i have counseled people recently that struggle um you know they do their um, bible devotions every day they're in the word uh, they're they're reading devotions um, but they confess to me that their heart is not really in it and i said well because you're treating that as as just an activity to check off you need to treat that as a blessed opportunity to hear from the word of god to learn more about the word of god and how do you cultivate that well Again, I, I love going back to the example of Ephesians chapter one. Paul says you've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly mm-hmm. places. You know, have you have you stopped and considered that? And, and just uh, Paul, in fact, the, the biggest run-on sentence in the world from verse three all the way to verse f- 14, right, of that first yeah. chapter, it's one big run-on sentence. Why? Because Paul starts by talking about every spiritual blessing, and then boom, 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 he just goes down in almost machine gun format, just just uh, just popping out just one blessing after another. And, and he ke- becomes overwhelmed with all the blessings that uh, that we have received. And so if if you're not feeling motivated to do the things of God, it it may very well be because you've been feeding yourself too many things of the world and you have not stopped to really think about all the reasons why you should be thankful. You know, there was another, another um, individual that I counseled recently and and was trying to tell this person that, you know, a thankful heart is not going to be a bitter heart and and a bitter heart's not going to be a thankful heart. And what I recommended is for this person to spend some time and just writing down all the things that that person is thankful for. And, that person went through the exercise, and that, as that person was going through the exercise, before they were done, they were writing page after page after page after page. And then after all that, they realized they, they started to feel silly for all the bitterness that they had been experiencing once they just reminded themselves of all the amazing blessings coming from God. And that's exactly what we need to do. And that's the reason why we have to be feeding our minds. With with good and godly things that that doesn't mean twenty four seven. It doesn't mean that you can't enjoy um, a, a good movie um, or or something like that or, or watch watch a game. But make sure that you're filling your mind and devoting the best of your mind to God.
0: Yeah, I, that's really good. And I think one of the key principles that you you mentioned there really is thinking about those things. Just the fact okay. that you're taking time to think how is this affecting me. How is this affecting my child, right? And that's probably what we don't do so well. We just sort of coast through life, meandering, not really intentional, um, in a lot of things. And so, you know, we want to enjoy a movie. We turn it on, um, and we we don't kind of stop to think, okay, well, how might this affect me? And you know, we're not talking about like a ten-minute contemplative time every time you want to see a movie. It's just you, you, you're in the word enough, and you, you want to be. Christ-like enough and you want to be holy enough that you just train yourself to think, okay, you know, how is this gonna affect me? And it, it could just be common in instantaneous thought, right? And it might be that it doesn't change much. Um, and it might be that you find, okay, you know what? Maybe this show is it it is kind of diminishing how much I valued my marriage. And and not that you value your marriage less, but maybe you just you've come to laugh at things that really, they just aren't funny, right? Um, You know, like sitcoms, I mean, today, they often make the the husband an idiot. Um, And they do silly things. And sometimes it's funny. I mean, let's just be honest, right? It's the the guy does some stupid thing. And we laugh because it's really funny. But you know, you're training yourself to think about these things. And you think, you know what, it's really not funny to paint the 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 person in the relationship who's meant to be the spiritual authority and leader in the home as an idiot. That's really not funny. So maybe you just want to set that aside and find something more wholesome. Um, And so I think that's really the key. Um, The, the, the the game boy illustration with children, I think was genius. Really. I mean, if you, if you consider, I haven't thought about that. If you consider how fleshly children become, Right. Mm -hmm. After just moments of playing a video game when you want to take it away. We've all seen it. Right. We've all seen the parents Mm -hmm. take something away from their kids because time was up and how the kid responds. Um, And and then I think as you were saying that, I thought, well, maybe as adults, um, we need to also have that same mentality where we think how is whatever I'm doing affecting me. Right. Is it causing me to be more fleshly? And uh, right. of course, I you know I think of Paul talking about the Bereans, and I think sometimes we don't apply this as far as we can or should. You go to Acts chapter 17, Paul says in verse 11. Now these were more noble-minded than those in Thessalonica, for they received the word with great eagerness, examining the strip- the scriptures daily to see whether these things were so. Now, so in this uh, you have the apostle Paul who's teaching. And they're hearing this and they're receiving it with gladness and they're saying, but, but let's go back and just make sure what we're hearing is good. And I think the principle here for us is that we do the same thing, right? Just occasionally, right? We just have the habit of taking inventory in who we're hanging out with, what kind of things we're watching, what kind of extracurricular activities we're engaged in. And we just step back and we just ask the question, is this good biblically and if yeah. if you need a litmus test you know just go to the scripture is what you're giving yourself um helping you to focus on what's good and what's pure and what's lovely and what's just and what's right um and if the answer is no then it may be something you you need you should cut out of your life in fact it would be something you should cut out of your life and you know this isn't a, again a legalistic every time you sit down and play a board game You know, is this going to cause me to be fleshly? We all know monopoly causes you to be fleshly um, (laughs) and it lasts for a week. But uh, anyway, um, but humor aside. Yeah, it's just to get in the habit of occasionally thinking um, are the things that we're exposing ourselves to good? Are they causing us to uh, be more sanctified? Are they just good entertainment? It's fine. Entertainment's okay, right? Occasional entertainment as long as we're not living on entertainment um but right, is it good right. is it wholesome right uh, or is it not
1: yeah and then when you think think about that example from Berea that you just brought up you know there was probably no one who was more pleased to see the Bereans search the scriptures than Paul himself right i mean here's paul he's an apostle of christ um, he, he is he is the apostle to the Gentiles. He's been starting numerous churches. And then he comes to Berea. He finds people who are eager to hear what he has to share. And then he sees their response by going to the scriptures. And I tell you what, any Bible preaching preacher and pastor, that's exactly what we want to see. We want to see people that are going to the scriptures and responding that way. Because you recognize that the only source of truth that you can fully trust is going to be the word of God. Um, so yeah, th- those are those are just good fruit and uh, examine the fruit of your life. You know, another thing that you can do is just examine the fruit of your life. Examine the fruit that other people observe in you. And if maybe people are observing too much of the world and not enough of Christ, maybe start examining how you're spending your time. What is it, what is it that you're consuming? What is it that uh, your mind is thinking about? And I'm going to give another example and and I'm condemning myself as I say this. But uh, for instance, whenever you want to buy something new, how much time are you willing to spend on the internet, researching all the options, comparing all the options, making sure you've got the the best buy. it's got it's going to be the most durable, it's going to give you the greatest value, it's got the all the features that you want. Um, how much time can we actually waste just doing that? And you know what I, I say waste, but I understand that hey we want to be good stewards and we want to make good decisions. So I'm not saying it's a it's it's a waste, but how much time do we consume with that? compared to how much time we actually think about the things of God or how much time we spend with the people of God and and you know here's another thing that just came to mind and it's this you know some people might be listening to this and and thinking yeah we're yeah we're getting legalistic we're you know we're turning into these holiness people and and whatnot but you know what our soul needs Godly edification and the souls of others, needs godly edification and the influence of this world and you kind of mentioned this earlier but the influence of this world cannot be um cannot be overestimated Uh, it, it is the influence can be tremendous upon our souls and so we need the church we need god's word we need the fellowship of the spirit and and fellow brothers and sisters in christ and guess what they need it from us too um so this is all part of god's ingenious plan on how to keep us on track and, and through the power of his Holy Spirit to walk with Christ. And that's why the church exists. That's why Jesus Christ said, on this rock, I will build my ecclesia, the, the word for church, which also means congregation, gathering. Um, and and that, that implies that God's people, as has been the case throughout Scripture, Old Testament, New Testament, they're always gathered together, and they're always um, based upon the word of God.
0: Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting. We talk about the influence of the world. And uh, I mean, still in Ephesians, I'm reminded um, back to chapter two. I I think sometimes we forget how subtle the enemy works, especially here in the West. You can go to other parts of the world, and the way you see the enemy working is, you know, quite different. Um, Some parts of the world, you have the occult in, you know, just very, the, the most horrific, horrendous, egregious in your face. Um, you know, terrifying practices with yeah. witch doctors and things like that. Here, I, I think the enemy could be just as happy um, if you're watching forty hours of television a week mm-hmm. and just slowly forgetting to think about the things of the Lord. And if someone were to listen to uh, all this and think, "Well, come on, is it really that bad?" It, it kind of sounds like it, you're saying the the world is always trying to take you away from Christ is made that a bit excessive. Well, l- let me just read from you from Paul, again, speaking to the church in Ephesus, uh, chapter two. Um, now he's talking about our former life, but li- listen to how he describes those who are worldly. He says, and you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you were for in which you formally walked according to the course of this world. OK, so he's setting up the scene here. So what is the course of the world in which we live in? And then he describes it. Also, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. So the course of this world is according to the course of the prince of the power of the air. Satan has very real authority and dominion here because he's been given that for a season. Um, And that's the spirit that's working now in unbelievers who are the sons of disobedience. When he says, among them, we we too all formerly lived in the lust of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. And of course, verse 4, we see the light of the gospel coming in and changing all that. But it's just to remind us that we have an enemy who is out as a roaring lion seeking to steal, kill, and destroy, and he doesn't always do that by walking into no. the church. <clears throat> You know, f- with flames lit and a bright red pitchfork. Right, um, right. He's sometimes as
1: an angel of light. Yep.
0: Yeah, and and I think for Christians, listen, the danger is never that we lose our salvation. If you belong to God truly, then you belong to God. But yeah. and, and so it, you can't lose your salvation, and Satan knows that. But he can certainly make you useless as a Christian. Mm-hmm right? He can stifle your walk in holiness. He can stifle your love for the lost. He can stifle your desire to lead your family in a godly manner. And so those are kind of really the things we're talking about is being on guard against being pulled back into just kind of a fleshly life. Any any ending thoughts, Eki?
1: No, I, it's just um, everything that we've said really comes down to this, um, just being the word. I, there's a reason why Jesus Christ said, man shall not live on bread alone but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of god listen the word of god was the ministry of the holy spirit it is the word of christ it comes from god himself the full trinitarian god is involved in that and and this is what is uh, sufficient uh, for us to to walk in the works of god that god has created for us but it is also necessary for us to just cultivate in our hearts um a love for god and and a desire to be more like more christ-like and a, a greater usefulness in terms of not only discerning the attacks of the world but helping to build up fellow christians and helping to show the the potential attacks of the world upon their lives as well as we disciple others so all this comes back to just our devotion to god to christ our life is here nothing more than a vapor that's what james says the moment we see it it's gone and the rest of it is eternity and so let's make the most of our time here um, knowing that we are on mission. We are here to do the will of God until our Lord Jesus Christ returns. And certainly we put our hope into that and, and not upon the things of the world. It doesn't mean we can't enjoy the things of the world, but it should not be um, our primary desire here in this life. Our primary desire, as Paul said in Philippians one twenty one, to live as Christ, to die is gain. Our life should be all about Christ. Christ is not something we add to our life. Christ is the center of our life.
0: Mm. Amen amen well guys i hope that this has been helpful to you um and uh we're i think we're back on regular schedule so don't forget to follow us on youtube if you haven't done that uh you can check out our other episodes there And until next time let the truth be known the truth be known podcast is a theologically driven gospel-centered program serving the body of christ by bringing biblical truth to bear on issues facing the church today Subscribe to the Truth Be Known podcast by using the podcast app on your Apple or Android device or listen online at strivingforeternity.org in the podcast section.